Uh-huh. Good to see you, Mr. President. Yeah. Next time, I hope we get to do it face to face like we used to when we travel through China. Oh, uh, Although it's not as good as a face-to-face -face meeting, I'm very happy to see my old friend. And Chinese spies. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It's February 6, 2023. We are live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals. If you have not joined us for the post-game shows, they're very, very exciting. Very exciting. Extremely exciting, people. RubinReport.locals.com. Uh, do join us over there. Uh, a couple things to get off my chest at the beginning of the show today. First off, we had a, an incredible event here at the house. Uh, it was a big moment for the family. Uh, Luke, had not, Luke is the, the younger of the, of the two boys, uh, he had not pooped in about a week. And uh, yesterday, David was taking a nap. And I've now found out that as new parents, you have to take a lot of naps to just keep the whole operation going. It's a lot of naps. David was taking a nap. Luke had not pooped in about a week. Now, if you're not a parent, you may not know that a child, young child like this on milk and everything, they don't have to poop every day. People think they're just pooping constantly, but actually they pee a lot of it out. It's okay, the doctor said, or the pediatrician said, you know, if he doesn't, you know, like two weeks, 10 days, we got a problem. We're, we're rolling into like day seven, day eight. Anyway, yesterday, David's taking a nap. I'm playing with the kids. This child freaking exploded, exploded. I mean, there was poop everywhere and it was a substance that cannot be, it was sort of like the, uh, like venom, you know, from Spider-Man, like the black slime that and you touch it and it just, and it kind of gets on you and tries to, like the symbiote tries to take, it was everywhere. Anyway, point is, uh, he pooped, and then he slept the night. First, first time ever, he slept through the night. So it's a very exciting time around here. Not only are we very excited about that, but this week, ladles and jelly spoons, is the sixth year anniversary of my famous or infamous Why I Left the Left video for PragerU. And uh, Brock mentioned to us, uh, Brock is our social media wizard, and uh, he mentioned to us that, you know, this anniversary was coming and maybe we should put together a little something because, you know, my political evolution that you guys have seen firsthand over these, really it started before six years ago, but let's say over these six years, because it really blew up from that why I left the left video moment. It's been so uh, familiar to so many of you guys. That's why you watch the show. And I think it really is uh, very connected to what so many people in the country, people that have no idea who I am, what they're all going through, like seeing the excesses of the left, trying to figure out what the new political landscape looks like and everything else. So subsequently, I ended up doing three more videos for PragerU. I've done, I've done four of their four or five minute videos. And we thought, why don't we take all of those videos and put them together, add a little of my commentary around them, a little bit of video and, and sort of show the path that America has been on for the last six years or so. Uh, so there was the why I left the left video, that was the first one. Uh, then the second one was, so you think you're tolerant. Uh, the third one, which coincided with Don't Burn This Book was the bravery deficit. And my last one, which came out last year, was Three Ways to Fix America. Anyway, we will be releasing it later today. It's about a 25 minute, something like that, uh, video with commentary in between. And, and I think you're gonna find it really interesting and hopefully, hopefully helpful. Uh, for those moments when you're arguing, arguing with someone uh, and you want to show them something, you know, bite-sized and, and concise and clear. I know 25 minutes these days is an eternity. Uh, but if you want to show them something about where the world was, how things have changed and how we can change accordingly, or at least uh, learn, let's say, some better ideas. Anyway, here's just about a minute and a half promo for that. And then it will be up first on Locals this afternoon, and then it'll be everywhere uh, later today. This month is the sixth year anniversary of the famous or infamous Why I Left the Left video that I did for PragerU. You may remember, it might be hard for you to remember, but you might remember that I once was a good lefty. I was a liberal, I was a Democrat, all of those nice things. And then things started to change. My side 
The left was actually the ones that were acting completely illiberally. We were the ones who were silencing free speech on campus and shouting down speakers. We were focused on the collective instead of the individual. My political evolution was laid out in the course of six years over four five minute videos. But for me, it wasn't just about learning new ideas and being unafraid to talk about them. It was also talking to people that I thought were my ideological enemies, whether they were Dennis Prager or Glenn Beck or Larry Elder or Jordan Peterson or Ben Shapiro or the list goes on. I was willing to talk to people, hear what they had to say, and then compare that to my own thoughts. I think everything that I've spent the last couple of years talking about is exactly what is needed in America right now. It's imperfect, I'm imperfect, you're imperfect, but if we fight for those ideals, and if we act a little bit more bravely, and we turn back to some of those founding documents that sometimes seem old and irrelevant, I really think we can fix this thing. I'm Dave Rubin of The Rubin Report, stealing these short videos from PragerU to shoot this film. <laughs> whatever, whatever. There you go, so that'll be up later today. I think you will dig it. And now let's get to today's show. Uh, we're gonna be doing a little bit of a, a destruction of the left. I know that's sort of common to what we do around here, uh, but we're gonna sort of take it at a personal level. Uh, a little bit of a fight has been brewing between Bill Gates and Elon Musk, and it's sort of like one of those Mortal Kombat, choose your fighter, or was that, which one was choose your fighter? That was Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter? I guess that. Connor, this is your department. Choose your fighter. That was Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter? You don't know? Ah. All right, it was one of those games. But the point is we all have to choose our fighter in this fight because these are the, the guys that uh, one way or another seem to be leading us either to the promised land or, or a horrifically dystopian future. Uh, so we're talking a little bit about them. Then we're gonna connect some of this to uh, just a touch on the Grammys last night. I didn't watch the Grammys. Most people didn't watch the Grammys. It's sort of like the Oscars and the Emmys at this point. People aren't really paying attention to the Hollywood thing, but a certain subset of society still is, and it still wields influence. So it's we're at that like strange moment with so many things in the mainstream. Do we just ignore them? Do we just ignore all the crap that Hollywood's putting out? Do we ignore all the crap that CNN is pushing on us? Do we ignore all the nonsense that's happening at the New York Times? Or do we have to push back to a certain degree to expose it? Like. I think there's arguments on both sides of that, but we're gonna be doing a little bit of a pushback today. And then yes, we are gonna talk about this ridiculous uh, Chinese spy balloon that was flying over the United States for days before we did anything. And we are gonna uh, expose some hypocrisy to how the media covers certain things when uh, let's say Joe Biden, a Democrat is in office versus uh, perhaps a certain orange man and Republicans. And then just the usual cast of characters that get out there for this administration and just say words. They love words and they have an incredible ability to say word after word after word without saying anything. That is what they do. All right, here we go. So first let's start with Bill Gates. You guys know my feelings about Bill Gates. He is a globalist. He is someone who believes that because he created a worthwhile product, Microsoft and Windows and all that, you know, 40 some odd years ago, and he became a billionaire in the process. He somehow believes that he should have dominion over your life when it comes to uh, where you should live and what car you should drive and what you should eat and all of those things. He's part of that elite intelligentsia that if you just paid attention to them and did what they want, you'd own nothing and be happy. Although he'll own an awful lot of stuff and probably be significantly happier in his very twisted sense. Uh, anyway, uh, here is Bill Gates kinda uh, sticking it to Elon Musk, talking about, in essence, how good he is because he's interested in helping people with vaccines. But, you know, Elon Musk, he's just wasting money, that guy going to Mars. Just on Elon, would you encourage him to join your club of mega philanthropists, you, Warren Buffett, Jeff Bezos, people who give away most of their wealth? Yeah, I think someday he'll be a great philanthropist. Obviously, you know, things like Tesla are having positive impact uh, even without being a, a form of philanthropy. But at the end of the day, I don't think he'll, other than going to Mars a few times, uh, which might cost a little bit. Uh, I don't think he'll want to spend it on himself. So yeah, someday I think he will uh, join the rank of uh, philanthropists using his ingenuity. Is going to Mars, whether funded by him or others, is that a good use of money? Uh, not in my view, but... Because uh, there's more pressing things to do on Earth. 
Definitely, and it's actually quite expensive to go to Mars. Have you looked into yeah. it? <laughs> Have you got Find, someone to do a little breakdown? A, you, know, you can buy measles vaccines and save lives for $1,000 per life saved. And so it just kind of grounds you as in don't go to, don't go to Mars. Man, there's a lot there. I was scribbling the entire time. Um, all right, so first off, this club of mega philanthropists. I mean, just because you give money away, it does not mean that you are doing good with that money. When he's sort of given, you know, he's poking and prodding Elon Musk there as if only if you give your money away, but it's not just that, you have to give it away in a fashion that we want you to give it in, right? If Elon was to put all, give away all of his money to, to causes that Bill Gates doesn't like, then he would not, well, first off, he wouldn't be allowed in that club. I don't think Elon Musk wants to be in that club. You know, Elon Musk gets invited to Davos. He gets invited to the French Alps to go to all, all of these things that these mega billionaires do. And he does not, he does go to some of them. He does not go to all of them for sure. Uh, and I don't think he really wants to be in that club. But the point is that just giving away your money in and of itself isn't good nor bad. It depends what the actual cause is. Now, I would argue that the causes that Bill Gates uh, would like Elon Musk to give money for are probably not great causes. Also, there's something else here that this, this concept generally that philanthropy must be good. It must be good because Bill Gates, he has this weird thing with success, right? He's become really successful and he has a ton of money and he has all of his workers and his multiple houses and he's the number one uh, farmland owner in the United States and he keeps buying up more and more property and all of those things. Um, but Elon Musk, what he's done is built businesses that then create dreams for people. Think of all the people that work at let's say, well, SpaceX or Tesla. SpaceX is probably a better example. Think of all the engineers, all of the incredible scientists who have this dream, this, which is the most fundamental thing there is as a human being, to have a dream and then try to accomplish that dream through hard work and ingenuity and teamwork and all of those things. They go, they get that call that they got the job. And now you're gonna work at SpaceX and you're maybe gonna get us to Mars. That is the most affirming thing there is as a human. Right, like, so Bill Gates doesn't seem that interested in that. He doesn't think that that adventure, the most human adventure, every sci-fi movie ever, you know, going to other planets, planets, exploring the, the final frontier. Like, he doesn't think that that's interesting. It's only good if you somehow give your money to, as he said, these thousand dollar measles vaccines. Bill Gates has billions and billions of dollars. Now I understand he's given away a lot and done a lot in research and whatever. And again, we can put aside whether you like him or not. But right now, if if, if the $1,000 per measles shot is good, why doesn't he give another 20 million today? Bill, here's me, humble Dave Rubin, calling on you today. I, I don't have that kind of cash, man, you know, but you do. So please, another 10 million, it's nothing to you. 10 million is not even a half a percent of what you've got. Listen to yourself, give away more money to stop the spread of measles while, while selfish Elon Musk takes us to Mars and gives us electric cars and tries to save free speech by buying a failing product known as Twitter, which is just purging money. But he did it because he believes in free speech. So, so Bill Gates, there's just so many ways you can hit him on this, but, but this, the dreams thing I think is the key part. That somehow you're only good. I mean, I already said it, you guys got it. That somehow you're already good. You're only good if you just give stuff away and it's like, no, there are people who want to accomplish awesome things. And it doesn't, it, it, that's not always directly related to whether it's profitable here or you can even see the reasons for it in the immediacy. But there is something about the dream that humans need. And I would much rather follow somebody trying to take us to Mars uh, than follow somebody who's trying to control cow farts. And that's exactly what Bill Gates is doing. Here we go. Australia is rare in that the opportunities exceed the things you have to give up. You have to give up a uh, large part of the, uh, and eventually almost all of the, the coal mining activity. Uh, you know, what happens with beef, uh, my climate uh, group, Breakthrough Energy, just announced literally today an investment in an Australian group called Ruminate uh, that helps cows not be uh, so much a source of, of methane emissions. So we have two paths to solving that. That's 6% of global emissions are cows. Uh, who burp and fart methane uh, to an extreme degree, uh, you can either fix the cows to stop them doing that or you can make beef uh, without the cow. And both of those you know, will be pursued to see which one can lead to the best product in terms of uh, taste, health, and, and cost. 
Bill Gates just spews BS to an extreme degree. Uh, so you see what he's doing there. Elon Musk is doing the electric car thing. That's pretty good. Getting us to other planets in case this thing really gets out of control. Let's say these climate people are right and the whole thing is gonna become inhabitable. Uh, well, we've gotta get going over there, right? We better get going. You'd think he'd be into that. No, but he's focused on cow farts. Uh, he wants to stop coal. None of these things will affect his life in any way, but he really wants to control these things. And then he said, uh, you know, basically uh, that they'll be going for this fake meat too. You know, at the height of COVID, one of my uh, favorite moments of being in LA at the height of COVID and all of the craziness, when I had to go to the supermarket to just stock up on whatever the hell you could get. Remember, they'd keep you outside and you had to go one at a time and masks and people were wearing gloves and crazy things over there whole bodies, like all of the lunacy. I went to, uh, to the local, uh, what was it? Uh, not Fred's, what was the name of the store? What was that, what was our Frank's? Ralph's, thank you. I go to Ralph's and it's, that was like our main supermarket over there. And basically the shelves were completely empty, barren, like there was pretty much nothing left except the Beyond Meat section was jam packed, stocked because nobody, people would rather die of starvation, watch their children waste away to nothing than eat those fake hamburgers and hot dogs that Bill Gates wants you to be consuming. But the point of all of this is that what Bill Gates is trying to do here is show you Elon Musk is a bad guy. There are certain sets of people, if they don't join us in our climate crusade, we just went through our COVID crusade, and now we've got a climate crusade and we've got to scare the hell everybody, hell out of everybody. And if you disagree with our, what I would say are quasi-tyrannical solutions, uh, we are gonna label you all sorts of crazy things. Now, how do they do that labeling? Well, they do it through the media, which you're not gonna believe this, guys, but Bill Gates has basically bought and paid for. Uh, here is journalist, I can actually say journalist, Matt Taibbi, who was one of the guys that released the Twitter files on with Joe Rogan, talking about how much money Bill Gates has pumped into media outlets. And I mean, again, the news business is so starved for revenue um, that they'll, they'll, you know, they'll bend to anybody, basically. Did you see that? I mean, I know Jimmy Dore covered it, but quite, quite a few other people have realized it now. The amount of money the, that Bill Gates has spent on uh, influencing media? No, I, I, I didn't. It's somewhere in the neighborhood of $300 million. Jeez. Recently examined nearly 20,000 charitable grants the Gates Foundation made through the end of June and found that more than $250 million going towards journalism. Mm -hmm. Receipts included news operations like the BBC, NBC, Al Jazeera, ProPublica, National Journal, The Guardian, Univision, Medium, The Financial Times, The Atlantic, The Texas Tribune, Gannett, Washington Monthly, Le Monde, Lamond, is that how you say it? Yeah, Lamond. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Center for Investigative Reporting. And, and as a reporter, you may not, may or may not be aware of all the different ways that money will get in, you know, uh, work its way into the business. But unconsciously, it just sort of seeps in. Like, right. you, you, and, and that's how it works. Like, you, you, nobody comes and tells you, well, don't cover this. Um, well, maybe they do now, actually. Uh, or, or, you know, take this approach to covering education, you, you what, what ends up happening is that you just kind of get a feel based on the reaction of your editor to whatever pitch uh, you're giving at the, at the moment. I think Taibbi's last point there is the interesting one. When Gates gives this money, so $250 million to those organizations, I mean, you heard the list there, like they're basically all leftist organizations. And then they just so happen to be in line with all of Gates' feelings about climate change and the World Economic Forum and everything else. You know, that is in stark contrast, ladies and gentlemen, to the way we do the Rubin Report here. You know how we do it? We're fan-funded. That's it. I don't get money from anybody else and nobody that does fan, uh, fund us on Locals has any control over my content. I don't even know what everyone who's watching this political beliefs are, and that's just fine, right? If I started taking money, I mean, really just try to think about this for a second. If Bill Gates called us up and said, hey, Dave, you know, you've been a little critically, a little critical of me lately, but I can tell you're a decent guy and I'm a decent guy. So we'd like to give you $500,000 a year for a couple of years and uh, you just keep doing the show to the best of your ability. Do you think I might be less critical of Bill Gates then? So do you see how this thing operates? It's not that they sit them down as Taibbi saying, although maybe they do now because it's become so brazen, but this is what they do and this is what we have seen 
pharmaceutical companies, and virtually every big machine entity do. They buy everything. We often have shown you that video, that compilation video of the news shows on NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN, et cetera, where they all cut to commercial brought to you by Pfizer. Well, last night was the Grammys, and you're not going to believe who the Grammys were brought to you by. Think of the brazen ridiculousness of Pfizer. There is no, everyone knows Pfizer. At this point, I would think that a huge amount of people don't like Pfizer, but the idea that Pfizer would put their money into the Grammys so that they could get more of their commercials out there, more of their messaging, at this juncture, when we know that the vaccines are not working as they were told us they were gonna work. I know two people with COVID right now, both are vaxxed and boosted, right? Like it's just, this whole thing is just complete nonsense, utter nonsense. But maybe that's part of it, that they keep pushing it on us so that the more that you see how ridiculous it is, the more they have to push it on us because that's all that's left for these people. Here's a video that I saw. This is wild. This is a commercial. This is a Pfizer commercial uh, that debuted a couple days ago. You're gonna see a whole bunch of celebrities and athletes and blah, blah, blah in it. And uh, just look at, they just keep coming. It just does not stop. If this were the real COVID-19, I would be in real trouble because I have asthma. And I have depression. I have diabetes. And I struggle with my weight. For us, COVID is a whole different ballgame. In fact, you could be one of almost 200 million Americans with a high risk factor that makes COVID even riskier. Which is why you need to be ready and have a plan. Other risk factors, including heart disease or being inactive. Even being over 50 or being a smoker can put you at serious risk. Could that be you? Find out. Go to noplangood.com and know your risk factors. Then make a plan. Because if you get COVID on top of asthma, like I did, the last thing you want to do is wait and see. Be ready, have a plan. And ask your doctor about treatment options that may help. First off, how about you freaks? Work out, don't smoke, take a walk. There is this giant glowing thing in the sky that provides light and warmth. Thus, when the light and warmth, when the rays hit you, it creates vitamin D in your body. And then that starts making you feel good. I can tell you it's true here in Florida. It really is. I would love to know how much Michael Phelps and Gene Smart and who else was in that video? What a collection of Quest Love, whoever that is, uh, and Pink, how much they got paid for that. But the point is they keep coming at us with these things. Also, can someone explain to me? Now I get it, Pink has asthma. Now I, I will accept that if you have asthma and you get COVID, that there's a complication there because of the lung situation. I think that's a decreasing uh, issue because the, the recent variants of COVID don't seem to be affecting people's lungs, but let's just put that aside for a second. I will accept asthma. Then I guess the, the guy with, that was Questlove, the guy who said he was fat. He didn't look that fat to me. I don't know who Questlove is, but I will also accept that if you're, if you're fat, I guess COVID has a little more of an issue, which also was connected to the diabetes one that I think Gene Smart said. Uh, but again, this is, how about get outside? How about ride a bike? How about take a walk? How about sweat? Some of these things, play tennis, just like get out there and do something. The one that I'm a little confused about, Michael Phelps has depression. How did depression become a, like a comorbidity for COVID? Just cause like, I'm so depressed in that way of COVID, I'm double depressed. Well, then there's some other depression pill for that. I don't think there's a COVID pill you have to take. It's just, it's just nonsense. Like I'm sure they can figure it out some way. If you're depressed, that means your immune system's depressed and the, ugh these people, but, but the point is they're just not gonna stop. And you know why not, they're not gonna stop? Because they are driven by Satan, by Satan himself. Here's Sam Smith, who I guess was a dude, now he's half a dude or he's part chick or he's something, right? Anyway, he was at uh, the Grammys last night with Kim Petras, I don't know who she is, but they had this whole Satan song and we thought we'd play a little clip.
right. I, I don't know what that was. Again, I didn't watch these things. I'm only seeing them. But I, and I, this is one of those things. Okay, so do you amplify these things by talking about them, like to expose the drivel? Look, I, I'm not some like Puritan, like sitting here like, oh my God, art is evil and blah, blah, blah. You know, like in the 80s, you know, we had Megadeth and we had, who was the, the guy that was a girl back in the 80s? Uh, not David Bowie, the one with the snakes and all that thing. You know, like, the point is, they're, they're art, artists do all kinds of things. But while this is being brought to you by Pfizer and the worship of Satan, uh, just like all the weird things, it's just like, is Hollywood just unable to stop for a second and be like, let's think about what we're doing here. What message, Sam Smith was a man, now he's a woman. And like, what message are we putting out to the people here. Also, the music is not good. I am told, Connor just told me, that that song, whatever it is, is played at the Miami uh, beach, like at the clubs, all night long. I, I didn't know you were in the scene, man. Yeah. Oh, you walk past them. You walk past them as you're going to Chipotle late night, you badass. Um, I, I don't go to the clubs. I, you know what? Later today, not while I'm doing this live stream, put Frank Sinatra in your Google search thing, in your YouTube thing. Listen to any Frank Sinatra song and then try to listen to that crap. These are not, I, I, I don't know, like music is wide. People have different tastes, but like there's good music out there. Try some of that. See how you feel. Frank Sinatra was not a devil worshiper as far as I know. Those are the days. Anyway, here's Harry Styles in like some sort of half dress, half like just look at it. What an embarrassment these people are. Yes, I do have something similar to that, but I don't wear it out. That's private. It, nobody wants to wear that. Harry Styles does not want to wear that. The, the, the list, I could have shown you a Twitter. Somebody did a Twitter thread of the, these freaks with these crazy clothing. Just put on normal clothes and get out there and make your music. It's okay, but they cannot stop. That's the point of all of this. Whether it's Bill Gates or Harry Styles or brought to you by Pfizer execs, all of these people, they are just on the slow road to hell and nobody can stop them. There is an entropy to it that cannot be stopped. Now this is just spectacular, uh, spectacularly horrible actually. Uh, so Disney has, you know, and you know Disney, they used to do, uh, you know, Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. Whatever happened to Donald Duck? Bring that guy back. That would be good, but no, they can't do that. What do they have to do? They have to turn children into little racist, ahistorical maniacs. So one of the women, you remember from a few months ago when we showed you that uh, leaked Zoom call where the former CEO of Disney, he has since been fired, Bob Chapik, was on with the Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Group, and they were all talking about their trans kids and how they secretly put gay messaging into people, uh, into their movies and all of this stuff. Anyway, that guy got fired. One of the women who was on that panel, uh, she has a new show. She's an executive producer. She's got a new show out on Disney Kids. And tell me if this is just good old fashioned child programming or perhaps something a little more nefarious designed to break your children's brains. Enjoy. This country was built on slavery, which means slaves built this country. Tilled this land from sea to sea to sea. First there was rice, tobacco, sugar cane. Then Whitney did his thing and cotton became king. And we were its soldiers. Four, Four million, million strong. Fighting for America's freedoms, even though we remained America's slaves. slaves. Built this country. The descendants of slaves continue to build this. Slaves built this country. And we, the descendants of slaves in America, have earned reparations for their suffering. And continue to earn reparations every moment we spend submerged in the system. Systemic prejudice, racism, and white, white supremacy, supremacy that America was founded with and still has not atoned for. Slaves built this country. Not only field hands, but carpenters, masons, blacksmiths, musicians, inventors built cities from Jamestown to New Orleans to Bannockhurst, Washington. 40 acres and a mule. We'll take the 40 acres, keep the mule. We, we made your families rich. From the southern plantation heirs to the northern bankers to the New England ship owners, the founding fathers, former presidents, current senators, the Illuminati, the New World Order. Slaves built this country. We had Tubman, Turner, Frederick D. Then they say Lincoln freed the slaves. But slaves were men. And women. And only we can free ourselves. Emancipation is not freedom. <laughs> Did you catch that at the end? Why are they sticking it to Abraham Lincoln? 
Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. Abraham Lincoln basically started a political party because he was not happy with what was going on with slavery. Uh, he saved the freaking union. Maybe that wasn't the best idea in retrospect, but why, why at the end, like Abraham Lincoln, there's such nonsense in there, but putting aside all of the nonsense and how they're, they're actually making a political agenda, you might, look, you can talk in a cartoon. You can actually teach kids a lot of things. Almost everything I learned, I learned from Bugs Bunny and Looney Tunes, right? But, but to, pu to push such a specific policy agenda too, that what we have to do really kids Kids, I mean, who's watching this? So imagine a five-year-old watching that. You're gonna get this very distorted view of what history was, and then, mommy, I want reparations. Like, what? What is wrong with these people? But you should not be surprised because the, ex the executive producer of that trash, that propaganda trash, that most likely some of you still are paying for Disney Plus, you're paying for it. I don't have it anymore. Uh, her name is Latoya Ravenue. And uh, you may remember her uh, because she's got her gay agenda for the kids, which of course is directly related to the black agenda because as you know, queer theory and black history are like two peas in a pot. You know, proud family, Disney TVA, um, the showrunners were super welcoming, Meredith Roberts and like the, the, our leadership over there has been so welcoming to like my like not at all secret gay agenda. And so like, I, I feel like I felt like it was, I mean like, Maybe it was that way in the past, but I guess like something must have happened in the last, like, like they are turning it around, they're going hard. And then all that like momentum that I felt like that sense of, I don't have to be afraid to like, let's have these two characters kiss. Let's in the background, like I was just wherever I could just basically adding queerness to like, the, if you see anything queer in the show, I'm proud of them. But like, I, I just was like, no one would stop me and no one was trying to stop all right, this woman, uh, she identifies, we did a little research on this, this is true, I never had heard this one. She identifies as biromantic asexual, which sounds a little self-conflicting, uh, but uh, we did a little research here. Biromantic people can be romantically attracted to people of two or more genders, in other words, multiple genders. She is bi-romantic. How is that different than bisexual? Like what, what? Oh, because you're not sexually attracted. I'm be, I'm, this is all happening on the fly, people. Bi-romantic people, so that means you're, you're out with a dude and a chick, they're sitting across the table, you're looking at both of them going, I am emotionally attached to both of you, frankly don't wanna bang either one of you. Sounds like you have some other problem, and I'm pretty sure nobody wants to bang some bi-romantic, oh God, it's awful. Anyway, you may remember also that in that original Zoom call on the Disney thing, there was that other woman who said that she had, what did she have? She had a trans daughter and, a, and an asexual son or a pansexual son, which as Jordan Peterson pointed out, is almost mathematically impossible. You know what I mean? Like you have a daughter who suffers from gender dysphoria and a son who has no sexuality whatsoever. And you happen to work in a corporation, at a corporation at the very division that is designed to fuck up everyone's brains. This is wild, people. Anyway, all of this is connected. All of it's connected. It really, really is. Uh, and the lunacy, so much of it is coming from one of the political parties in Washington, D.C. right now. And that happens to be the Democrats. And the Democrats, as you know, last week all went completely bananas because Kevin McCarthy, who's the new leader of the House, did exactly what he said he was going to do. He was going to remove Adam Schiff. He was going to remove Eric Swalwell. And he was going to remove Ilhan Omar from uh, some, some security clearance and on some committees that they're on, basically the, the House uh, Foreign Affairs Committee, okay? Now, Eric Swalwell has slept with the Chinese spy. Everyone knows it. Uh, Adam Schiff basically made up Russia collusion and then wasted millions and millions of taxpayers' dollars and people's attention and time on all this Russian nonsense. Ilhan Omar, uh, some people did something on 9-11, like she is a bad, bad woman. Uh, anyway, here she is, because what do Democrats do? You get fired. And by the way, nobody is supposed, nobody is given the right to be on the Foreign Affairs community, uh, Committee. When a new party takes over, they can put their own people on, just like the Democrats did by putting Ilhan Omar and Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell on. So this is politics. You get in, you have power, you put more of your people in positions of power. This is politics 101. But now that 
uh, McCarthy has removed these three. Uh, they are, of course, all playing the victim, but, but Ilhan Omar by far the biggest victim. And then, of course, when you're a Democrat and you're a victim, you get to go on corporate television and talk about your victimhood. We know what this is, this is about. Uh, this is about saying this particular member of Congress is not allowed to have a voice on the Foreign Affairs Committee. Yeah. This particular member of, um, of Congress is someone that we don't think is uh, appropriate in voicing. And that comes back to the fact that they don't actually think Muslims um, or you know refugees or immigrants in this country can appropriately criticize U.S. policy, mm -hmm. can appropriately criticize, um, you know, policies of, of other countries. Man, she is such, she's such a lying little snake. That's all she is. No one, no one on the Republican side is, has a problem with Muslims or black people or anything else. Are there individual racists in society? Yes. But that is not why she is being removed. She is being removed, partly at least, because, look, do I run around on this show and, and run around and call people racists and bigots and anti-Semites and all of those things unjustly? Obviously not. You, you, it's the last move you want to make. You only want to use those labels when they are actually specifically appropriate. Her obsessive, focused hatred of Israel, this tiny little country, right, with six million people, uh, that she is obsessed with, the only Western democracy that would let a woman like her rail against it all day long, uh, that is what she is obsessed with. That might have a little something to do with some Jews living there. So she obviously is an anti-Semite, obviously, right? The Democrats can choose to hang out with her or not, and it's fine, they all defended her, so be it. Um, but McCarthy does not owe her uh, a place on a committee. It is as simple as that, right? This is not because she's black or whatever she is, and it's not because she's Muslim, and it's not because she's a woman, and it's not because she's an immigrant or anything else. Ugh, she is gross. And speaking of gross, here's Rashida Tlaib. Censor Congresswoman Omar in the same week, they introduced a bill to ban federal employees from engaging in censorship. Where are the free speech warriors today? The gentleman's so time has expired. That our country is failing you today through this chamber. You the, belong the gentlewoman is no longer recognized. Well, shut up. Just like the crocodile tears, another disgusting one, Talib. They're just terrible, and no one's being censored. Talib can go on every MSNBC crazy show and say whatever she wants. Ilhan Omar can do the same thing. They can say whatever they want in Congress and bring up whatever bills they want and expose themselves as the racist little monsters that they are. They can do all of those things. You don't have a right to be on a committee, right? If all they did, they removed three people, right? So again, they removed Swalwell, white guy. They removed Schiff, white guy, and Ilhan Omar. So was this all about race and bigotry and hating women and everything else? Anyway, uh, you may have seen a whole bunch of these type of hysterical videos that were all out on Friday where the Democrats, one at a time, more hysterical than the next and crying and screaming and genuflecting and just absolute ridiculousness. This was my favorite one. This was AOC. We're doing God's work here, guys. We really are. Uh, here's AOC accusing Republicans of terrorism. Both of us were in alignment on. Did you feel safe sitting there with him? I think it's uncomfortable um, serving with people who engage in what many experts deem stochastic terrorism, which is the incitement of violence in a, uh, which is an incitement of violence using digital means and large platforms. So that individual themselves may not be the one that's wielding a weapon. Um, but I have had to ride, as, a, as has Representative Omar, I've had to, consistently had to ride in 20,000 pound armored vehicles in, um, in, you know, engaging in some of the most gruesome threats that you can imagine uh, that were incited by Republican members. This is not just about a tweet. It is about what life looks like and, and, the, and the marshalling of hundreds, thousands, if not millions of people 
um, into doing something. See. And Donald Trump knows that very well. And he uses and used his rallies very strategically in order to engage in political intimidation of what he deemed his political enemies. You think Guys, I really mean this clearly. Do not fall for this bullshit from these people anymore. If she's concerned about stoactic terrorism, uh, then she should be concerned. Stoactic? Is that what it's called? Stoactic terrorism? Stochastic terrorism? I think it's stochastic. Soastic? Doesn't even matter. The point is that this woman always wants to play the victim. Somehow there are millions now of people out trying to get her. This is the same woman who calls the half the country white supremacists all the time, calls her colleagues white supremacists and bigots and Nazi adjacent or whatever else she does. So is she doing that same exact scholastic? Is that the word? Scholastic. Is she doing the scholastic terrorism herself, If right? Because she's not saying go kill those people, but in essence, she's saying they're trying to kill me. So you, got, you better do something. Just absolutely terrible. Do not fall for their guilt-ridden drivel anymore. And, and of course, it is always propagated by the mainstream media, but Republicans are getting balls. And I've been saying this for weeks and I'm really impressed with what's going on right now. Kevin McCarthy, after that, you know, five-day fight uh, with, you know, certain members of his own party, I think he has come in and he's showing attitude and they're making changes. Listen to this exchange. Uh, between Kevin McCarthy and a member of the media, a journalist, uh, while talking about Ilhan Omar. Um, I just want to get you to uh, comment on some of the things that uh, Leader Jeffrey said. He had a press okay. conference before you. He had these posters up of some of the words that members of your conference have said in the past. So can you just respond to some Democrats who... I, was, I wasn't at the press conference, so can you tell me an yeah, example? Yeah, well, I'm just saying he... But for example, he had comments from Marjorie Taylor Greene. Up. Is she um, on foreign affairs? No, no. I was Is she at, on intel? Okay, I make my case. That's the point. Nobody was silenced. Marjorie Taylor Greene's not on these things, and Ilhan Omar is no longer on these things. They are both in Congress, and it's okay. So keep going, Kevin McCarthy. Do not fall for the bait, the, the bait but also you guys watching these things. When your friends are like, you know, I saw an AOC, uh, on CNN, AOC, said that she's suffering from stochastic terror terrorism. Stochastic? One more time. Stochastic. She's got stochastic terrorism coming for her. And it's like, no, what she's doing is the exact same thing. By the way, when she's in those armored cars uh, and she has, you know what she has? You know, it's always running right on the side of armored cars. You're not going to believe this. Uh, armed men. So she also wants to take your guns away, but she's gonna have plenty of people with guns around her. But speaking of intelligence and foreign affairs, because foreign affairs are important, and I would say on the Foreign Affairs Committee where you're gonna be getting classified information about threats and foreign governments and all sorts of things, I would want people who I would say are roughly pro-America. I would say Ilhan Omar would love for the destruction of America. That is fairly obvious. She is incapable of saying anything positive about America. She's for equity instead of equality. She's destroyed Minneapolis. People keep voting her in. That's up to them. So be it. Uh, but with intelligence in mind, uh, the big story of the weekend is that a Chinese spy balloon has been flying over America for days. It was finally shot down, uh, but for days it collected information over America and we just let it happen. Here's a little video of its final moments. Checking Twitter on several different official. Oh. Well. I believe it just happened there. That was it. Live, raw, and unfiltered. It appears that that China spy balloon. Live, raw, and unfiltered. It appears that that Chinese spy balloon has been shot down after days of getting information and transmitting it back to the motherland. So we let this thing just fly over the country, taking pictures, video. We don't even know what it was doing necessarily. We don't know if it was sending communications back. We just have no idea. People are saying this could be a trial for an EMP device. Like there's all sorts of crazy stuff related to this. But generally, uh, as a uh, superpower or as any sovereign nation, um, if another country flies some weird shit into your airspace, uh, you don't let it happen. Uh, because if you let it happen once, you know they're going to do it again. You don't know exactly what they're going for in terms of the information and everything else. And it just shows weakness. So we did not do it for days. But then yesterday, Joe Biden said that he actually did want it shot down and basically got overridden. From your, was from your national security. I told them to shoot it down. On oh, Wednesday. On Wednesday. But the recommendation They from said to me, let's wait till the safest place to do it. What does this mean for China, relations with China? 
It's interesting. I, I actually respect a president for listening to his military advisors. Like you don't want somebody just going in, shoot it down. I don't, I don't need to know anything. I don't know what it's doing. I don't need to know what it's doing or where it's going or blah, blah, blah. So, okay, it's interesting, I suppose, that he waited and listened to his guys, right? Now, again, we don't know all the information related to all this, but it was also interesting the way he said, maybe we could throw back to it, the way he said, I said, shoot it down. The implication being, I do what I want. They're the ones to blame for this nonsense. From your, was from your national I security. told them to shoot it down. On Wednesday? On Wednesday. But the recommendation They said to me, let's wait till the safest place to do it. What does this mean for China, relations with China? All right, short and sweet. As I said, we don't have all the information as to what exactly this thing was doing, but the point is, if he said shoot it down on Wednesday, and then for days and days, it continued to collect information, it didn't get shot down till yesterday, uh, you have to wonder what information was passed to the Chinese, what test did they just do to us, and did we pass that test? And it doesn't even sound like Biden was in agreement with his guys. Again, you wanna take advice from these guys and make a decision. That's why his tone there, but I get it, he has dementia, so his tone is often dysregulated. Um, now, Mark, uh, Mark Miley uh, is the guy that said, don't shoot it down, we should wait for a little bit. And it made us think, well, well what is General Miley? What, what has he been up to? Uh, is, he, is he dealing with the important issues of the day or could it be something else? You may remember this one. And it is important that we train and we understand. Uh, and I, I want to understand white rage and I'm white and I want to understand it. Well, hopefully uh, the Chinese spy balloon was looking into white rage and then he can get some information on the Chinese about white rage. And he is white, so it's something that he's interested in. I mean, the point is once you allow this equity nonsense, this woke BS, once you allow it into the system, like think, if the, if the United States government has spent one second thinking about white rage and equity, and we know that they have, and figuring out what bathrooms female soldiers should go to at Fort Bragg and elsewhere and all this stuff, it's like you're taking your eye off the ball. That's why the woke thing is so dangerous. Anything, whether it's the military, the government, whether it's a shoe company or quite literal or a production company, once you let wokeism into the system, you have a mission, right? Your mission is to build a good product. Your mission is to get the correct information out there. Your mission might just be literally to make money and that's it. But once you let the woke thing in, you are taking your eye off the ball. You are, you are in dereliction of your duty. I'm fairly certain that the Joint Chiefs Staff Chairman, his job is not to look into white rage, but that's what they're doing. But it's not just him, it's everyone associated with this administration is a sham and a clown and a ridiculous buffoon. We've got plenty of clips of Gay Pete to show you right now. Here is Gay Pete, our Transportation Secretary, who only got hired because he's gay. As you know, he was the mayor of a small town, South Bend, Indiana, has no qualifications to be in charge of transportation, literally none whatsoever, but he cut a deal with Biden to get out of the race and uh, he's gay, so you know, it's spectacular. Here he is with de uh, Democrat activist, Jake Tapper on CNN, uh, talking about the balloon. The military gauged the different risks and the different uh, benefits of, of different approaches, made the decisions that they did, brought this thing down without incident. Right, but the presumption has got to be that the Chinese were able to gather intelligence hovering over the United States for day after day, especially over some of these sensitive sites. I'm sure there's a similar presumption about what spy satellites do. Uh, that is well outside of my lane. I'm just glad that nobody was hurt as this thing came down. I don't know, I don't even know why I'm here. That's out of my lane. I mean, look, it's so ridiculous, these people. So this thing was flying over military sites. We have no, in, no idea what information, pictures, video, audio, we have simply no idea were they, were they looking at critical infrastructure. We have no idea. But then they send Buttigieg out there to talk about something that he admits he has no idea what he's supposed to be talking about. But he continued. He was all over the news this weekend. Not only was he with uh, Democrat activist Jake Tapper, he was also with super Democrat activist Chuck Todd. But Chuck Todd every now and again tries to ask a question that seems somewhat relevant so that he doesn't seem like a total partisan hack. It's not, he's not particularly good at it. Uh, here he is asking uh, Pete about the classified document scandal. Do you think that though, if, he, more, if he had been more transparent about this classified document situation earlier, that he might be in a better place? better place. Coulda, woulda, shoulda is not the uh, strategic uh, direction or, or focus of this administration. There's too much on the line. There's too much to do. There's too much to do, people. Do you know how much more shit they can ruin if we give them enough time? So he goes on Tapper, says he can't really give an answer about the satellite. Then he goes on Chuck Todd. He can't really comment on uh, Biden and the classified documents. And they just keep putting him out there. Here's more uh, with Chuck Todd. Chuck asked him about Biden's approval numbers, which are not good. 
He's got a lot of things to tell. Why do you think that it has not penetrated the American public? Well, look, these things don't sell themselves, and it's one of the reasons I'm really looking forward to that, that State of the Union address. Uh, I will say that there have been so many accomplishments under this administration, it can be difficult to list them in a distilled way. Pete, you could have done it right then and there, but instead they just say meaningless platitudes. They've done so much, guys, so much. Guys, we've given $100 million. No, $100 billion? It's $100 billion. $100 million. That's chump change. We've given $100 billion with no receipts to Ukraine. That's something we've done. Um, we did have the most embarrassing withdrawal of a country ever in Afghanistan. That's something we did. We destroyed the supply chain. Uh, you forced all sorts of people to inject themselves with poison. The list, guys, we just haven't had a chance to distill it. It's also hilarious when they say this because these people go on the shows to get sucked off. Did you s listen to the way that Chuck Todd even laid out that question? The president's got an awful lot to be proud of, in essence, right? Like the president's got so much good stuff and then Pete can't even come up with that. The list is just too long to tell you, Chuck. That's a little bit different than we showed you that video last week. Was it Chuck Todd and Jim Jordan? Was it Jim Jordan? And then and they're in this battle, this battle because Chuck Todd is a Democrat activist. But they have to keep the game going in some weird way because too many of us are seeing behind the curtain. So every now and again, they have to ask somewhat of a critical question so it doesn't seem like they're total partisan hacks. Here's Chuck Todd acknowledging that most people, two thirds of us actually, are just not interested in what Joe Biden's selling. When President Biden addresses the nation on Tuesday night, he will be speaking to a skeptical public. Despite the low unemployment rate, a stronger than expected midterm performance for his political party, and a string of legislative accomplishments, the president's job rating sits at just 45%. His poll numbers are even lower on his handling of the economy, foreign policy, and specifically the war in Ukraine. Two-thirds of voters have reservations or are very uncomfortable with the idea of Biden running for a second term. Yeah, Two-thirds of people, I guess, don't have brain damage. That seems a little high to me, frankly. Uh, but a, a, an increasing amount of people are going, okay, the guy's not cognitively fit, Chinese spy, disastrous with, withdrawal of Afghanistan, what's going on with the economy, we're pissed about the jabs, nobody got fired over anything, like all of the stuff. So every now and again, the corporate media has to, and in some ways, what they're doing, even in, when, they, when they criticize them, is carrying water because they wanna get the base riled up to make sure that the base comes out and votes. But what's this all really about? What it, what it really obviously is all about is that nobody, it's just true, guys, it's just true. Nobody in their right mind, show me somebody, I've tweeted this out before and it's, and it's gotten huge traction and I can't get anyone to, to defend Biden. Like who are the real supporters of this administration? Besides like the globalists and the corporatists and the, and the journalist class, where are the average people that are like, yes, Joe Biden is fit to be president. He's the one that have, should have his finger on the button and he's making sense and these policies make sense. Nobody, there's nobody that supports any of this nonsense. So what they're really afraid of is that a little sanity could bring the Republicans some major wins. It could get this country back on track. And I think that's the direction that we're heading. I think, I pray that's the, the direction we're heading and you have to have hope in you. And, and there are reasons to believe that. One of the reasons to believe that is the way the machine keeps coming after Ron DeSantis. Florida, as you know, in case you haven't heard me talk about it, is absolutely flourishing. We are cutting the minimal taxes that we have. We don't even have an income tax here, but we're cutting taxes left and right. We are rebuilding at the, after the hurricane at, at incredible levels. Uh, the economy is flourishing here. The one issue that we do have is that house prices are high because basically 1,200 people a day move here to enjoy the freedom. And it is hard to build even faster, but DeSantis is cutting as much regulation even on that. Everything is going good here. People smile at you here, that's nice. I was in Cali last week, not a lot of smiling. Anyway, listen to the way, oh God, this woman. Do we have a, can we show something? Do we have something here we can warn the people about? Whew. Okay, good. We like to put the warnings. I don't want to freak you guys out. We're going to Joy Reid over at the televised mental institution, MSNBC, and listen to the way she talks about DeSantis and Florida. It's incredible. This is, it's just incredible. Go. What DeSantis is doing is intentional. In order to peel off Trump's Republican voters and get them on his side ahead of his presidential bid in 2024, he's turning Florida into a right-wing paradise where the focus isn't on healthcare or jobs or taxes or infrastructure, or I don't know, hurricane or flood insurance in one of the most natural disaster-prone states in the country. You know, normal governor stuff. 
but rather on the right-wing culture wars and nothing but the right-wing culture wars. And he's ticking all the boxes. Not only is he banning books about history and any mention of the existence of gay people from Florida schools, he's barring public high schools from teaching AP African-American studies. He's taking aim at drag performances, even suggesting that he would urge the state's child protective services to investigate parents who take their own kids to one. He's actively trying to ban COVID vaccine mandates and restricting mask rules, while at the same time calling for probes into supposed wrongdoing linked to the vaccine. And he's doing all of this while making sure that anyone can walk around with a gun, no permit required. It's a right-wing fantasy land like Disney World, but in hell. Come to Florida, the meanest place on earth. I want to be very clear about this. Please don't come here. I know you'll end up vacationing here the next time they lock you down wherever you live. I don't know where you live. I don't care where you live, but please don't come here. We don't want you here. We don't want people like you here. And Joy, that has nothing to do with your skin color. I have no doubt that Media Matters is watching this right now going, Dave Rubin doesn't want black people in Florida. You people are all complete clowns. Everything she said right there was a distortion of the truth. First off, he's not doing anything on taxes. He's cutting taxes. We'll get to that in just a second. He's not doing anything on infrastructure. Do you know how fast we rebuilt the Pine Island Bridge and the Sanibel Causeway? It was incredible. It would have taken two years to rebuild that Sanibel Causeway. They did it in two weeks here. We are redoing, I would welcome anyone to visit me. Come visit Dave Rubin and see what's going on in his neighborhood where our roads are being rebuilt. They're, they're absolutely beautiful everywhere you go. It's happening constantly where there's no crime here. And Miami, which is the biggest city, uh, you know, the biggest metropolitan city in Florida where, where it is the safest city in the United States right now. It's incredible, absolutely incredible. I told you guys last week, we're in the middle of the show and I'm talking about how horrible San Francisco is with the homelessness and the crime and the drugs and all that. The mayor freaking texted me in the middle of the show. He said, Dave, I'm watching you right now. Just FYI, we only have 640 homeless people here in Miami and we're doing everything we can to reduce that. That's the difference between a functioning place. But if this is what a right wing dream is, then... Hello, it's pretty freaking spectacular. Uh, but since Joy is concerned about what Ron DeSantis is doing here, he's not doing anything for the people. And usually what they mean is you're not doing anything for the children, for the children. Remember Nancy Pelosi, why is she running again? For the children. Well, here's what DeSantis is doing. We're also doing permanent sales tax exclusions on all baby necessities, including cribs and strollers. It's hard enough raising kids as it is. Now you get baby food, diapers, wipes, the whole baby clothes, the whole shebang, including things like cribs and strollers, which are very, very expensive. So that is gonna be permanently uh, tax-free in the state of Florida. Yeah, that's what we're doing here, right? We're actually strengthening the family here. I know that's crazy and antithetical to everything you believe, you bananas lefty lunatic Joy Reid. Uh, also, of course, what she said about that you can't say gay here is nonsense. And they are not banning books here. They're actually banning books in California here. They don't want that, the book, what was it, gender child or queer theory child or whatever. They don't want kids, five-year-olds, getting books about how to give a hand job. Call me old school, I'm down with that. You know what I mean? Like these people are completely, utterly ridiculous. He did not ban African-American studies. He banned a course that was going to teach critical race theory and gender queer theory within the lens of black history and reparations. That's what he banned. That is not in education. That is indoctrination. All of the stuff, you get it. And what they also fear is that the first lady here in Florida gets it too. And, and they're, a, they're a tag team duo uh, that really is just doing what we're all asking for. I think some of those federal bureaucracies can take a page from the DeSantis playbook and learn how to get things done quickly, efficiently, effectively, cut the red tape. And let's just work on behalf of people in need. Yeah, and that's exactly what uh, Casey DeSantis is doing, by the way, who, who led all of the fundraising uh, for uh, post-Hurricane Ian and the destruction in Southwest Florida. And then we raised millions and uh, FEMA cut their aid. Florida, which has a budget surplus despite uh, no state income tax is covering the rest. And I think you guys get the point of all of this. That, ladies and gentlemen, is our Monday show. 59 minutes and 33 seconds. We're gonna make it to a cool 60 minutes, one hour on the dot. 
Uh, we're going to go do a post-game show for Locals members exclusively. And then the PragerU doc that I mentioned before, which is a compilation of all four of my PragerU videos with some ins and outs and B-roll and video that explains a little bit of how the country changed as I changed and how that evolution was uh, really just, it was, it was alongside of you guys. Uh, that'll be up first on Locals today and then later this evening on Rumble and YouTube and everywhere else. 60 Minutes. See you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.